Hubhopper Originals The question that writers get asked most often, well, the two questions. One is, is the story true? And the second is, where do you get your ideas from? So sometimes it's an incident which reflects a story. Uh, sometimes it's an incident which will um, spark a new story, a completely new idea. But sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes it's a story that will spark an incident, a discussion, an argument, and maybe a new realization. The last time I talked about the story um, Yellow Flowers of August from my book Like Smoke, and certainly that story um, has sparked a lot of very interesting incidents and discussions. One that I'd like to share is that um, after the telling of the story, and just to remind you, in that it's the story of a young girl who has been brought up to hate Muslims because she's been told that her father was killed by a Muslim bomb. And she falls in love with a Muslim boy um, who says to her that all Muslims are not terrorists and bombs don't have a religion. After that story telling in a school in Jaipur, one young boy stood up and he said to me, he said, ma'am, I'll agree with you that all Muslims are not terrorists, but you'll have to agree with me that almost all terrorists are Muslims. And what do you have to say about that? Now, this is a very common argument. It's spoken a lot in a lot of homes, a lot of schools, in a lot of groups. I don't know how it wasn't pre-planned, but an answer came to me at that moment. And I said, all right, Beta, let's uh, put aside the question of religion for a moment. Uh, let's talk about something else completely different. Let's talk about the crime of rape. And surely we can all agree, any sensible person would agree that all men are not rapists. But Beta, you'll have to agree with me that almost all rapists are men. So then, using your logic, let's treat all men with suspicion, hatred. Let's treat them like potential rapists. Let's keep them at arm's length. Let's not give our houses on rent. Let's not give men jobs. And let's just, let's just hate, hate on them simply because they are men. So, Veta, I know nothing about you. I don't even know your name. But I will treat you with disrespect and I will treat you with hatred. Are you all right with that? The young boy, about 11 or 12 he was, his hands curled into fists. We were almost nose to nose. From the corner of my eye, I saw some teachers sort of ready to spring into action because the kid really could have punched me in the face. Suddenly, the whole auditorium was up on their feet. They were all clapping. Suddenly, 
the whole auditorium was up on their feet. There was thunderous applause. And they were all clapping. And afterwards, this boy came to me and said, ma'am, thank you. No one has explained it in a way that I really got it. So this was one incident where I felt, yeah, the story has raised the questions that I wanted it to raise. There's another story. It's called Bablu's Bhabi, which I'm going to share with you. It's from my book, I'm Not Butter Chicken, You Can't Order Me. It's a collection of short stories. So here goes. Bablu was sad, sad and angry. It had happened again today, like every day. And he knew it would keep happening. What had happened? Well, as usual, his elder brother, Dino, had beaten his wife, Bablu's Babi, just like he did every day, almost since the day that Muni Babi had come to their home, dressed in red and gold, her face completely hidden, sobs escaping from under her gungat. At that time, Bablu couldn't understand why she cried. He had thought that girls were always thrilled to get married. But now, a year later, Bablu knew why Muni Bhabi had wept then and why she wept every day of her wretched life here. Mostly, Dinu beat her over trifles because he was drunk or suffering from the after effects of too much drink. Like this morning, just this morning, she was holding a matka of water and coming in after filling it. Dinu was headed for the tap to have his bath. His towel slipped off his shoulder and fell to the floor. He ordered his wife to pick it up. As she bent down, a little water splashed onto her husband's bare leg. Bus, all hell broke loose. Suddenly, the matka lay smashed on the ground with Bhabi lying amongst the pieces, begging her husband for forgiveness. She clutched his feet as he rained blows on her and kicked her arms that stretched out pleadingly. Bablu turned away, sickened to his stomach. His mind whirled, his fists clenched, wanting to hit out. A thousand forms of revenge raced through his mind. But he turned away. Like a coward, he turned away. The stupid thing was that, 12, that at 12, Bablu was already way stronger than his elder brother. Drink and easy living had eaten away into Bhaya's body and left him a reeling, swaying, skinny reed of a man. But he was the boss of their household, ruling it like some despot king. Bablu often begged his mother, Ma, Bhaya ko roko kya karte ho? And Ma would say, Are, ye to ek aurat ki kismat hai beta. Yehi to hota hai. And is it a man's kismat to beat his wife? Bablu shuddered, hoping he would never abuse his wife. No, he thought. I will love her. I'll cherish her. I'll bring her bangles and laddus. And others may laugh and say I'm not a mard. But how can you be considered manly for beating someone who can't hit back? Now Bhabi sobbed quietly. Bablu watched 
and he could see the angry blue-black bruises on her bent back. She looked so much older than Bablu, although she really was just a few years older. Bablu shook off his thoughts when he saw Bhabi carrying the heavy bucket of their clothes. Bhabi, ruko. Let me carry these. Silently, without looking up, she held the bucket out. He took it, and they were joined by the bucket of washed clothes hanging between them. With his free hand, Bablu gently touched her bruised arm. And suddenly, as if the floodgates of a dam had been broken with that touch, Bhabi began to weep. Her whole body shook with the force of her pain and grief, but not a sound dared escape her lips. Then she whispered in a hoarse, anguished whimper, Pablo, marde mujhe, marde. Main only say sakti, I can't take anymore. They stood like that for a long time, each holding the handle of the bucket, engulfed in their feelings of sorrow and helplessness. After a while, her tears ran dry. Muni Bhabi said in a very quiet, very old voice, I'm sorry. What can you do? You're just a child. You can't do anything. You can't do anything. And she walked away leaving Bablu rooted to the spot. But something had changed. He felt calm now and sure. He didn't even think about it. He just, he just felt different. Next morning started like any other. Dino uh, sat down to breakfast and as Bhabi handed him his tea, he flung the hot liquid into his wife's face, leaping up in a towering rage, cursing her and her parents and forefathers with filthy abuses, screaming, damn you, woman, didn't your parents teach you anything? He grabbed her hair and raised his arm to strike. Pablo was there in a flash. He held his brother's raised arm in a vice-like grip. And in a loud voice, he said, Dinu, let her go. In shock, Dinu released his wife, turning his anger onto the boy. You filthy puppy, you dare to stop me? You dare come between my woman and me? I'll kill you for this. Stop it, commanded Bablu. Stop it, or I'll call the police. Howling, cursing, Dinu fell on Bablu, hitting out at him blindly. But Bablu was stronger than his drink-soaked brother. He scrambled on top as he fell, as they fell. Bablu hit his elder brother twice. And then pinning his arms down, he said in a voice of controlled command, you hit my Bhabi one more time, one more time, and I swear I'll have you in jail. You hear me? Just one more time. And then he left him, groaning and moaning on the floor. Ma and Bhabi huddled in the corner, stunned. Whether they were glad or not, Bablu didn't know. But he didn't worry. He had done what he had to do. He had done what he knew was right. He breathed in the cool morning air. 
letting it quieten the trembling of his body. And then he said, Bhabi, mujhe roti de do. Maine school jana hai. Bablu had become a man. This story came out of an incident of violence, a violent husband that my friend had and she finally left him. But then, lo and behold, her son became violent. He thought that that's how men behaved. But very often when I was telling this story in schools to groups of children, I would notice one or two children, a couple of times even a teacher or two, going ashen-faced. They were obviously victims of violence too. And I knew that this story wasn't enough. Once I saw this young girl whose table was pooling up with her tears and she wouldn't lift her head. And so that incident then, so the incident triggered the story Bablu's Babi, the incident of my uh, friend's son becoming violent. So Bablu's Bhabi got written. Bablu's Bhabi ki telling me when I saw these other, the way people were being impacted by hearing this story, I knew I had to take this further. So then those incidents triggered another story called Hearing My Own Story, uh, which is in my book, Like Smoke. So things do come full circle, strangely enough. And Stories literally come from anywhere. They're out there. It's just us who have to be sensitive and watch out for them and sometimes grab them, hold on to them and commit them to paper for you to share. I hope you enjoyed this Hub Hopper original podcast. If you want to get started with your own show, please do get in touch. We'd love to have you on board. Send an email to info at hubhopper.com. That's info at hubhopper.com. And we'll get back to you in a flash. We're looking forward to creating some great audio content together.